0: Hey, hey, everybody, I just want to talk to you guys first thing here about another awesome podcast. There's so many podcasts out there. Everyone and their mother has a podcast, but a good one, one that's been around for a long time, and one that I love is Good Morning Liberty, hosted by Nick and Charlie. Uh, These are two guys who have a background in the healthcare industry. They talk finance. They're really good at breaking down uh, these complex ideas, going through news stories and really making it easy to explain and digest, and really to take the idea and the things they talk about, and really influence your friends, influence the conversation, and that's what it is all about. So check out Nick and Charlie with Good Morning Liberty. You can find the show anywhere podcasts are found. Follow them on Twitter also at Good AM Liberty. Awesome follow, entertaining follow, and you'll learn something too. So check it out. Good Morning Liberty. We are born free Hey, hey, ladies and gentlemen, gather around for another episode of Finding Freedom right here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. And, you know, we've been around for a long time here at Lions of Liberty. Years and years, I lose track of how long I've had this podcast for. I think it's almost six years and Mark is two or three years more than that. And Brian happened a year or two after me. I don't know. We have a lot of podcasts and we have the oldest and the best and the greatest variety show here in Libertarian Podcast land. There's a lot of great Libertarian podcasts, but this is the only one where you get the hard hitting interviews and the debates and the long hair and all that stuff you get with Mark Claire on Mondays with the flagship program. And on Wednesday, you get Brian McWilliams and the sarcasm and the mispronouncing words and the hilarity and the cursing and... That's what you get on Wednesday on Electric Liberty Land. And here on Friday, you get hard-hitting interviews. We're talking to people who have been through the ringer of life. Or like today, you get maybe a little more casual interview with a uh, friend of mine from the Year Zero podcast, Tommy, Tommy Salmons. And it's it's a great conversation, wide-ranging conversation. You guys are going to love it. Uh, but before I get to that, you know, we have these three shows. You guys love the shows. You're listening Please, uh, I think they call it follow now on iTunes. So, follow or subscribe or do whatever the heck you do to get this show delivered to your freaking phone um, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And uh, give us a comment. You know, give us one of those uh, five star ratings. That shit really, really helps out with the algorithms and puts the podcast in front of more eyeballs. So, we appreciate that. Appreciate you guys listening and supporting us on Patreon and all that other good stuff. If you do want to become a uh, a Patreon supporter and get all the perks that we have, the bonus content, the merchandise, the uh, influence in the show, you can go to patreon.com slash lionsofliberty. And with that being said, guys, here's the show. My guest here on Finding Freedom is Tommy Salmons. Tommy is the host of the, Zer- of the Year Zero podcast, the Zero yero podcast, if you're saying it backwards or something weird. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, you can find it over there at the, uh, with the group of podcasts, all great podcasts at the Libertarian Institute. It focuses on power, uh, the abuse of power, finding liberty in your own life. And uh, yeah, Tommy, welcome to Find Your Freedom.
1: Hey, what's going on, man? I'm happy to be here.
0: And uh, I can't go any farther without saying what just happened. We just had a great 15 minute conversation, and I didn't record it, so no one's ever going to get to hear that. So we got to make the next 15 minutes or hour, whatever, whatever it is, to to make up for it. But I, I mean, I'll try to recreate the conversation, but it's never, it's never the same. So, so we, uh, Tommy. Obviously, you're sitting in your truck right now. And uh, for some reason, I've met, I don't know, 10, 20 libertarian truck drivers. I know Reed Coverdale, who's like the, uh, the this new libertarian podcasting machine that's come out of nowhere. He's a truck driver. Um, Rocky Farenberg, who's done a lot of great stuff. He's a truck driver. One of our uh, longtime supporters, Anthony Meyer, he, he's a truck driver, so... Why is it that there are so many libertarian truck drivers?
1: I, I, again, I think it's the mindset. I, I think trucking attracts a certain type of mindset, a type of person that is, is willing to be extremely independent. They don't want to be micromanaged. They don't want to be dependent on anybody else. They are always within their own head. They, they spend a lot of time thinking and and contemplating on what's going on I can't tell you how many hours I've spent in a truck in silence just driving and thinking and just trying to process and clear out things so I think it's really that that reflective and independent spirit that that you get when you find the type of person that is attracted to trucking and state and sticks with it
0: so, obviously, listening to podcasts, listening to audiobooks, thinking, how much caffeine do you consume when you're doing all that stuff?
1: I drink um, I drink 48 ounces of coffee every morning.
0: And that's it? Nothing else the rest of the day?
1: I'll sip on a Coke, but a Coke, like a 20-ounce Coke will last me like two days. Yeah. and then, And then water. I keep a big old one-gallon bottle of water in here for me and my dog, so...
0: And what's your what's your typical uh, schedule when you're out when you're out uh, driving? Is it how many hours on and then how many hours off?
1: Well, the the clock is set is set weird and it's kind of hard to explain to to people that that have never looked at it. But basically, we have a fourteen hour workday. Okay, from the time that we log on in the morning, we have eleven hours to drive within that fourteen hour period, right? So, so if I log on at eight o'clock in the morning, then before 10 o'clock at night, I have, I can't, I have to stop driving and I can't drive more than 11 hours in that period. Then I have to take a 10 hour break. Mm -hmm. So if you're running a straight, if you're running a straight, like, let's say I'm driving 10 hours today and I'll stop with an hour left on my clock, I take a 10 hour break and Then I, then I drive 10 hours the next day, you end up on a rotating clock. So when you get to my age and you've been driving for 18 years, the way I have, your body starts kicking you in the ass and telling you it doesn't want to do that anymore. So, uh, I try to get 12 hours off if I can.
0: (laughs) I heard you mention in one of your recent podcasts that you're considering a career change. Maybe is that you're trying to get, trying to get back home. Is that something you're trying to do in the near term or is that more a long-term thing?
1: as soon as possible. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So my wife is from South Africa and, uh, she went here six years ago to marry me. And, uh, I immediately got in a truck and left her at the house by herself.
0: You could have been a so, 90 day fiance.
1: <laughs> so, so, so we we're uh, trying to, we've, we've been constantly trying to expand her business to to a point to where I can be assisting her and working from home. Mm -hmm. And therefore I'll be tending because we have eight and three quarter acres. So I'll be tending to the yard. I'll be podcasting. I'll be, I'll start writing more for the Institute, hopefully a couple of articles every week. And then I will also be assisting her in her work, but we just have to, we have to supplement my income. I mean, that's basically what it boils down. So if anybody is looking for administrative work, my wife is looking for more clients, so,
0: what, like, what type of administrative work? Not not to she, spend the whole podcast talking about this, but I mean, since you know, since something you're looking for, see if we can help. Maybe you can find some. Yeah,
1: yeah. It. She uh, she does. She's she's she did transcripts for uh, the Monopoly on Violence um, documentary for for Pete. Helped out with that. She worked on the Jacob Hornberger campaign and handled all his emails and scheduled. All his podcast appearances. Um, she right now she basically runs um, a landscaping business. She does all the QuickBooks, page uh, mm-hmm. paychecks, all the emails, scheduling, uh, setting setting up the entire schedule uh, for their for their busy season. Um, she works with um, a lady who manages a daycare and does some of the administrative work for her, and then her other client is. A scuba diver instructor in Florida that she works with. So
0: that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, dude, I'm I'm all for helping people to you know take control of your income, take control of your life. I'm trying to do it myself. Yeah. I'm trying to get out of corporate America within the next uh, next year or so. And same thing, just finding ways to supplement the income because you got to replace it. I mean, you can make the leap, but then. And honestly, sometimes it's necessary to make that leap because you need that pressure on yourself in order to, you know, really make it happen. Not right. that I'd advise everyone to do that. But <laughs> <laughs> in fact, well, I, have chi- I, have,
1: I have child support and a mortgage, so um, yeah. It, it, yeah. I got to make sure those are paid. At, at the very yeah. least, yeah. that's got to be taken care of.
0: Yeah, well, that's yeah, it's good to know what your, you know, what your floor is, what you got to be at. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, when we had our long conversation at the beginning here that I forgot to record, uh, we had a big love fest talking about Scott Horton and how great he is. And I didn't know that he was your your first interview uh, with the yep. Year Zero podcast. So yep. let, let's do this. Um, tell us about the reason why you started the podcast and then you know talk about uh, Scott and the Libertarian Institute and how you got in with those guys.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um- well, the podcast wasn't called Year Zero at first. It was actually called Stranger Encounters, and I had um, I had read Harry B- Brown's book, How I Found Freedom in an Unfree World, and then I was I had a lot of friends that I was involved with online that were entrepreneurs. Um Kylan Ganger uh, used to have a podcast called um, Successful Dropouts, talking about how he dropped out of college and and created his own independent wealth. And then he would, he and would interview high school dropouts, college dropouts, whatever. And that had left school to, to become entrepreneurs. And I was, I was just getting into libertarianism fairly, fairly in depth. And I'm trying to, to tie together, like how does, how does the philosophy of liberty like tie in to actual entrepreneurship because entrepreneurship is the ultimate liberty in life. And so I was, I was balancing these ideas and I had been listening to Scott Horton and I just thought, I love this guy. I love, I love his podcast. I love how he approaches subjects. I want to interview him. So I emailed him before I even had a podcast like saying, Hey, I'm going to start a podcast in three weeks. Um, do you want to be, you know, can I interview you? And he was yeah, sure. And so it all kind of launched from there. So I interviewed him and Pete, first of all, uh, those were my first two interviews. And I, I guess this was when Pete was around, I don't know, it was 2018. I think he was around 85 or 90 podcasts at the time. He hadn't had his mm-hmm. podcast very long. And, um,
0: he so was I interviewed still Mance, still Mance back then. yep right?
1: yes, he was, <laughs> <laughs> and I interviewed both of them. And uh, then I was listening to Scott one one time, and he was he gave a challenge that he wanted an anti-war article for the Libertarian Institute attacking the right from the right. So I was like, well, I think I can do that. I love to write. I've been writing since I was like twelve years old. I love to write. So I was like, well, let me give it a shot. So I I put down a draft and kind of read over it and I was like, I think that's pretty good. And I sent it in to him and uh, he emailed me like an hour later, was like, call me. I love this. There's just a couple of things I want to talk to you about. I was like, all right, cool. And I looked at my wife and I was like, holy shit. I got Scott Horton's phone number. Like I'm n- I'm going to frame this, <laughs> you know? And so, and so I call Scott and I spent, you know, hours on the phone. You know how Scott is. We spent hours on the phone talking about my article and all kinds of different stuff. And, that, um, that next day I sat down with that article. I had taken notes on everything he wanted done. I sat down with the article. I, I redrafted it and sent it into him. He's, he emailed me back and, and the way Scott, only Scott Horton responds to emails or texts. Perfect. And just the next thing I know it's published and it's in it, nice. it, it, the craziest thing. It was sandwiched between Lou Rockwell and Ron Paul. And I was like, wow. I don't, I don't belong here. What the hell is happening? <laughs> I that's do incredible. not belong here. Yeah. Like I, I was like, no one's going to read my article. They're going to see, they're going to see Lou Rockwell, some schmuck, Ron Paul. They're going to skip right over everything I have to say. So hey, I was it's, like, it's all, all right.
0: about who, who you can associate your name with. So that's yeah, right. <laughs> yeah.
1: So okay. then, uh, then I interviewed that probably three or four more times, wrote another article for the Institute maybe two more articles. And then I met him in the summer of 2019 and, uh, he added me to the blog. Uh, we hung out, went out on his boat, had a good time. Uh, that's a, that's, you know, it really, he was really gracious. My wife and I had gone to Austin for a concert and he insisted I contact him. And, you know, so he took time off to take us out and go hang out, brought us, brought us to eat and all that good jazz, had a great time with Scott. And, uh, I mean, like, uh, he's, he's just the most amazing person I've ever met. He's such a great guy. He's such a wonderful dude. I, I love Scott to death. And I was, I was telling you before when the COVID restrictions hit, whenever all this crazy stuff was going on, he knew I was out on the road. You know, he was calling, he was texting me and asking me, Hey, are you doing okay? Is everything all right? How's it, how are they treating you out there? And like nobody outside of like my mom, did that, you know, so that was like it was really interesting. Like, wow, this guy like really cares about me. You know, like we're we've just become really close friends, I feel.
0: Yeah, Scott, I mean, he is one of the most down to earth guys that I've met who has that big of an audience. Like everybody in the Liberty movement knows Scott Horton. But when you meet Scott Horton, I mean, you don't get he doesn't have an ego. That's right. the best way to put it. I sense right. zero ego with Scott Horton, which is yeah. saying a lot because it's hard not to have an ego when when you, when you get a following, even a small following. I've I've seen it happen to lots of people. And uh, and he, like you were saying, like he'll, he'll talk to almost anybody. He'll take an interview with anybody. He'll give he gives his time um, so freely and and genuinely. And, the last, uh,
1: yeah, uh, I'm sorry, you just made me think the last the last podcast ahead. the last podcast he did with dave smith is uh dave smith is like my podcast was so small in the beginning you don't even remember doing it and scott goes do you know how many interviews i've done and dave goes i know you never turn down a podcast request and he goes of course like why would i i have the opportunity to expose my message to somebody who may not have ever heard my message before you know that's like the way he looks at it and i I love that about him i love that about scott he's so passionate about the message his ego is like is the last thing on his mind.
0: Well yeah, he's he's a guy, and I mean not to do the whole podcast just uh just talking about Scott Horton, but I think this is a bigger point. I mean, I think people can kind of model themselves in his mold, in that, you know, I, I don't think I don't see Scott as someone who's looking to He's not looking to gain power in this. He's just looking to get the message out. And I think we could all learn from this when we are taking podcast appearances. You know, and I've done this in the past. Maybe you someone asked you to come on their show and it's you know it's a really small show with only, you know, a couple listeners, you know, a few listeners. <coughs> it's still important. I mean, if a podcast has 50 listeners, 25 listeners, that's still 25 people that can hear the message of liberty, that can hear your message, and that could be you know brought into this movement, and uh, who knows what they can do, um, you know you plant, plant a seed in their mind, and who knows what what it's going to turn into, and w- with podcasting, I feel like I talk to so many people who have a podcast and they start one, then they get frustrated because they don't turn into Tom Woods right away or Scott Horton right away, and it's like if you just imagine when you look at your downloads, whatever it is, maybe it's 20 people, maybe it's 100 people, maybe it's 5,000 people. Just imagine those people in a room and you walk into the room and you're talking to all those people. I mean, that's that's powerful. And I think more people need to think of podcasting as a means to communicate and a means to um, you know, really get this message out there rather than like uh, a way to make a profit because to be perfectly honest, a lot of podcasters, the vast majority of podcasters, you're not going to make a profit. So it better be, you better be talking about and podcasting about something that you're passionate about.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think it helps too that people like you or I, I mean, you've been at it longer than I have. I started in 2018 and I've been grinding, you know, and I've made Mm -hmm. all the mistakes you can make. And I've, Had to figure all of it out here, you know, over and over and over again. Learn as soon as I get one thing figured out, I got another thing I got to deal with. And, you know, and I've watched my numbers go from from, you know, 60 downloads up to 2000 downloads, then drop back down to 300 downloads and then jump back. And you're like, it's it's not. It's not consistent. It it's always, you're always grinding, you're always moving, you're Mm -hmm. always trying to adjust, you're always trying to learn. And and I would never distract you know discourage anybody from starting a podcast, but don't start a podcast because you think you're gonna make money. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. that's absolutely insane. Don't do that. You have to you have to be talking to people about subjects that you find interesting before anybody else is going to be attracted to your podcast.
0: Hundred percent agree with that. Um, So let's let's continue down that path. I do want to talk about Childerberg. We'll come back to that later. But you know, talking about interesting topics, and I know your podcast wide range of topics. You're interviewing. You interviewed me, so you know I'm 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 a wide range of topics myself. But you bring out a lot of different characters. The one I listened to recently. uh, What's the name of the podcast? It was uh, God. It was the the guy that – it's like a music podcast with, like – I haven't listened to it. Oh, you're talking
1: about about David Sanchez, the lead vocalist of Havoc?
0: No, no. Oh, well. Anyway, it was – the point is (laughs) you you have a a wide cast of characters that you bring on. So, like, when you're looking to bring on guests, what do you – are you just looking to talk to interesting people? What's your – you know, what, what's your, uh, I guess, what do you look for when you look when you look well, for a guest? It,
1: yeah, no, I mean, it's not just always interesting people. Sometimes it's like, okay, um, you know, like when I, when I spoke to Justin O'Donnell, um, I really didn't know much about Justin uh, before we spoke, but I knew he was big in the liberty movement. And I'm like, well, you know, my listeners might want to hear from this guy, you know? Mm-hmm. But then there are some people that I like... Like when I interviewed the Huntsman about supply chains, I'm like, some people are going to learn something here. You know, like this is important information. Like what's going on with the supply chain for the last year is why are there meat shortages? Why are there toilet paper shortages? What, what's happening with the supply chain? So that, you know, it, you can get information out of it, but, and then I don't know, I guess the person has to have a certain type of mindset, a certain type of uh kind of a a certain type of persona. I don't want somebody that comes across like smug, you know? Mm-hmm. Cuz if you come across smug, I don't want to talk to you probably. And so, I want to talk to people that I think we can produce an interesting conversation that have interesting things to say that I can learn something from, my audience can learn something from, and we can bounce ideas off of each other. So,
0: yeah. So that's, I, don't know that's that, good. I don't know if that helps
1: narrow it down, but <laughs> well,
0: I think I think the I think the way you do your interviews and the one I was talking about is uh, Ghost Jail with Berto.
1: Oh yeah, who,
0: who I'd never heard of, but that was a super interesting conversation. Um, but but yeah, I, I like how you you talk about uh, not bringing on smug people. I, I will say I have brought on smug people and will continue to. But what I try to do is I try to take the smugness out of them. And I've had I've had people um, you know tell me after I interview them. These are people that have been, you know, interviewed on cable news or whatever, like, no one's ever asked me these questions before. I'm like, well, that's because you really haven't been interviewed. You've been, you know, just on these little five minute uh segments on on cable news. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But I, it, you know, I got the biggest compliment the other day. We were talking about Scott earlier. I'm just gonna bring him up one more time. But when he did that podcast with Pete and uh they brought up your zero. Bro. And he, he, he introduced Year zero. He said, Oh, and we can't forget Tommy, everybody's friend. And I'm like, I love that. Like, that's how I want it to be. I want people to be relaxed, talking to me on my podcast. I, I feel like I do my podcast for blue collar guys, you know, like I'm a blue collar guy. I I'm like, what do I want to listen to? You know, if I don't have, if I were like working a construction site on my way home, what would make me listen to a podcast? And it's not somebody preaching philosophy and theory and you know, mm-hmm. all these obscure, abstract ideas. I want some solid information. And so that's that's really my goal is to find people that have solid information that I that listeners can utilize. Dude,
0: that right there, what you just said, I mean, that could be a you know the most important point in a liber- in a not libertarian, in, in a podcasting course is Make a podcast that you want to listen to. So many people try to recreate other podcasts, and they want to recreate Tom Woods, and you're just you're just wasting your time, and you're never, you're never going to grow a following trying to do that. That is so important. Glad you yeah. brought that up. Um, I did want to... So you, you were talking about... We're just going to weave all over the place here, but you just talked about... Uh, I can talk uh, about
1: anything. Let's do the, it.
0: The <laughs> supply chain, and the toilet paper shortages, and... I think a lot of people misunderstand that. So I want to get, I haven't heard your take on that. So yeah, lay it on us. What happened when COVID hit and we couldn't get toilet paper?
1: Well, what, what, what ultimately happened when COVID hit is countries around the world locked down <laughs> and nobody was producing anything. There were nobody, nobody was manufacturing. The The freight that truckers were moving was product that already existed so as as time wore on you you ended up getting these shortages within the warehouses because nobody was manufacturing because all the manufacturing all over the world was shut down Mm -hmm. and so this caused what what you would call uh, a shortage (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) and and those those damn price gougers yeah
1: absolutely <laughs> but no and so and and so as production started ramping up then you started seeing it even out but the problem was that you had all this this meat that was sitting all these all these this livestock that was sitting out on these farms that were due for slaughter six months ago and mm. there was no there weren't enough trucks and a you know, freight liners to move the product. So they ended up having to kill a lot of the, a lot of the livestock. And so as they were having to just, kill, just the kill it,
0: just kill it and not use it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Especially the pigs. There were, there were, wow. there were lots of stories going around that they were just, they were just, mar- just shooting them. They had no, they couldn't do anything with them. They couldn't move the product. They, they would slaughter them, but there would be nobody to move the meat. Right. Just
0: because just because they have their their process of moving new pigs in and old pigs out and what they did
1: what they did is they moved truckers. Like, see, this is this is what happens with central planning. They moved all the truck drivers from their normal everyday routes onto moving medical supplies. And then whenever there were shortages, like in toilet paper, they started flooding the toilet paper market with truckers that didn't normally run toilet paper, you know, which is what I typically do. I, I run paper products. I run for Georgia Pacific. And then, so you had all these guys that had never done this before getting, I, I spoke to hundreds of them it, during a three-month period, trying to tell them how this is how you have to check into this place. This is how you ha- they operate. This is what you have to do. But they were, but they had never done it before. So by the time these these meat drivers got back around on their reefer trucks back to haul meat, well, they had to kill, murder a bunch of fucking animals because they didn't have anyone to move the product. So as they were trying to like maneuver around and they were trying to strategically move truckers by government eat, then they were creating shortages in other areas.
0: Wasn't there also like an aspect to it of, you know, you have your uh, commercial supply chain, like with toilet paper or also with like restaurants, you have your commercial supply chain supplying your restaurants and your office buildings and all that shit with toilet paper and and food. You have your residential supply chain that's supplying your grocery stores and and things like that. And you had your commercial supply chain, basically all the demand for that toilet paper stopped because everyone was taking the shit at home and there wasn't enough toilet paper in the grocery stores because it was just I guess they, they I guess the, the point is they can't just people people think that you can just flip a supply chain and say, okay, let's take all the toilet paper from the office buildings and make it go in the grocery stores. You can't really do that.
1: No, you can't. Uh, and and see that's the that I mean that was the issue. I mean it, it comes back to the to the knowledge problem, right? They're trying to they're 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 operating by reacting to the current issue, mm-hmm. not understanding that that they're creating another issue down the road. And so every time you would see like this shift in the in the freight and, and the, where the truckers were being moved and where they were being how they were being worked, you would create they were creating another issue on the other side of the supply chain and now we're looking at a situation because we haven't completely recovered from it china is still trying to make up for all the all the lost time they had cuz they shut down all their major manufacturing hubs coming out of china so the reason that like you haven't seen like you can't get microchips and shit like this like they keep talking mm-hmm. about there's a shortage of microchip cuz china shut it all down like everything shut down they weren't working at all for months and then when they kicked back on, they started overproducing, trying to catch up, and they're trying to catch up on the, on the um shipping side, on the supply chain side. But you're looking at at least, from what my buddy the Huntsman said, you're looking at 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 least eighteen months before mm-hmm. we get caught up, and that's barring natural disasters. There's a pending longshoreman strike in uh 2022 that could slow everything down. So you could be looking two, two two and a half years of dealing with the supply chain broken, like never, never being up to par, you know, for the next two to three years. Right. And, and, and so this is why we'll, we can move kind of into the agorism from this, because this is the stuff I've been looking at saying, Hey man, like, I don't care if you're going to go vote one day, every two, two years, Fine, go vote one day every two years. I don't care. It doesn't bother me one bit. What are you doing the rest of the time to hedge your bets? How are you how are you assuring that you and your family are okay? That's what's important right now because we got a we have a system in which we're we're staring down the barrel barrel of financial collapse and we have a broken supply chain. They're printing. More money than ever, and we have less products than ever. This is not going to be good for anybody. So, what are you doing to hedge your bets? Like, how?
0: What steps should people be taking in their in their lives right now to uh, to hedge their bets?
1: I mean, get a fishing license, learn to fish. You know, (laughs) you can do stuff like that. You don't have to. It doesn't have to be something crazy. Or if you're,
0: wouldn't wouldn't it be true agorism? Not get the license and just fish. Well, that's what
1: I do, but I have a pond on my yard. <laughs> See, I have a stocks pond in my backyard. Yeah. So it's like I go, I go catch fish when I want to. You're not going to hurt my feelings. Mate. That's nice. But, I'm not, but, I, but you take the risk you're willing to take. I'm not going to tell you not to go spend the $40 on a fishing license if you want to go spend the $40 on a fishing license. Right, right. That's all up to you. That's, I mean, you take whatever risks you're willing to take. But, you know, just grow you some vegetables, just some maybe something that you can jar and preserve and save, you know, like just do something to help yourself because if you're not doing anything, then you're just, you're, you're still dependent on this broken system that, that, I mean, we have no idea if it'll ever get fixed, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just uh, expanded my garden with, with this in mind. And also, I live up live up in Pennsylvania, so not down in Texas. It does get cold up here, but I found this really cool uh, setup uh, by watching YouTube videos, which I learned everything about gardening. And uh, I'm going to try it this winter. I did it in the spring. I used to use it as like a little uh, little greenhouse to start my seeds, where you can put. It's basically just PVC pipe that you build a frame over a raised bed, and you can I mean, you can have big raised beds with it. And, uh, you know, put hinges on it, the handles, bring it up and down. I have a small one right now. I'm going to build a bigger one. And you can actually grow vegetables, grow lettuce, grow things like that in the winter. You can mm. have snow on top of there, go out there, brush it off. It'll, it'll grow. It's, it's a greenhouse. So yeah, there, there's a lot of cool things you can do.
1: Yeah. And, and you, you just have to start thinking about, like, I'm, I'm not interested in telling people how to implement agorism in their lives. Like the way I look at agorism, agorism is, is anarchy in motion, right? It's like, if you're, if you've come to the idea that I'm a philosophical anarchist, then agorism is your next step. Like that is the step you have to take to take care of your family and create anarchy as much as possible in your own life. I mean, we all understand that 90% of our lives are lived in pure anarchy. You know, the very few times we have to intersect with the state is is when 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 it's not anarchy, but the fact of the matter is, if you can create even more space between yourself and the state, and and separate yourself even more, then you're you're doing you yourself and your family a justice in getting yourself in a secure location. So my I don't have any complaints with those that want to vote. I'm not one of those agorists. I'm looking at it going, what. You still need to be, if you can't take care of yourself, then how are you going to help anybody else? Like, and that's the number one thing. You see what I'm saying?
0: Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, I look at it, you're basically, you know, trying to cut the tentacles of the state uh, away from you that have, you know, latched on and whatever way you can do that. I I 100% agree with that. that. That's a smart thing to do. Along that line though, is there a point in time when you really need to leave the country? Try to find a, a more free place than the United States of America.
1: If your name's Ven Armani,
0: <laughs> get your shit and go. Yeah, I, I, yeah, and, and you know what? That's
1: fine. Uh, you know, for some people, I don't, I don't have that. I don't have that luxury. I, I, it's just to me. How many
0: people? How many people do? Yeah, yeah. And
1: in, in number one, I don't have that kind of money to to just pick up and go and be okay. You know what I'm saying? I would have to, I would have to grind and struggle, and and I'm sure I can make it, but it would just, it wouldn't be any better than living in the U.S. right now, as far as I'm concerned. Number two, I have five kids and a granddaughter that I'm not willing to just leave. You yeah. know, it. So it's, um, I think that's something that every person has to weigh for themselves. Um, for some people, that's an okay solution, but. For me i just don't look at it as a feasible solution you know
0: yeah I, I yeah i think for yeah people maybe single people or people who maybe have a have a lot of money and, and can afford to just pick up and move it's it's easier or if you're willing to people some people are willing to take on more risk and they're not worried about the uncertainty of it and fine i mean i i, I understand people you know working towards leaving the united states right now and honestly it might be the best call if, if you know, if people are able to do it. But I, I, at the same time, um, United States, the problems that it has at this point in time, there's not a lot of countries. I think that when you weigh things, everything that that's happening that that are a lot better. With that being said, I think things in the U.S. could easily get a lot worse pretty quickly, as we've seen happen with the lockdowns. It can happen almost overnight. You can have things shut down. So. Like you're saying, the more you can kind of uh, shield yourself from those things, the, the better it is. That, that's probably the, the best first step. And maybe ultimately work your way towards the point where if you have to, uh, you, you are able to uh, get your shit and go. But yeah. I mean, I, and I'm, not, I'm not throwing shade at Vin. I'm, I'm a big fan of Vin Armani and uh, plan on taking his Bitcoin course. We're trying to uh, get a group of uh, Lions of Liberty Pride members. We have almost enough. Uh, to do his Bitcoin course. So, if anyone listening to this wants in, and if you're in the Pride, um, you can you can sign up for. It's a huge discount. It's even more of a discount than than he's offering it to the public. Or you can join the Pride and and do it. Um, you can join for just five dollars and save like seventy five dollars, something like that. But quick plug there. Um, no,
1: I, I'm not. I'm not throwing shade at Vin either. I think I think what he did was remarkable, and I'm in some ways I'm kind of jealous of him. Because I used to always tell my wife, I was like, man, when I'm like, whenever I'm done paying child support, we're going to take what money we got. We're going to go down to Mexico to Cabo San Lucas. We're going to build a little bar on a beach with an apartment over it. And we're just going to chill out, man. And we're going to serve alcohol and hang out on the beach all year long. And I'm like, "Ah, he kind of did that, you know? (laughs) So no, I'm, I'm a little jealous, but I do feel like my situation, it would be a little selfish of me. To turn around and sell my property, and then um, take that money and scramble, whenever my property may be the only place of refuge my kids mm-hmm. or my parents have to go.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it, it, life's complicated, man. It's I mean, yeah, it's, it's, absolutely that go into it, absolutely. Yeah. So, speaking of things that are complicated, um, you know, I want to talk to you about messaging and. Right now, and people are gonna be listening to this uh, a week from a week from now. So this is June eighth. They'll be listening whenever. I don't know the seventeenth, uh, whatever that is.
1: Seventeenth.
0: Yeah. Um, the hot topic is the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire talking about getting rid of child labor laws, which I I don't have a problem with the tweet. I think it was a great tweet because I it, it really really highlighted. You know, you're talking about yes, get rid of child labor laws, and you're you're calling out the horrendous public education system in the same tweet. Putting the, those things together draws attention to it. So w- when you think about messaging and what ways we can draw people into this movement, draw people, you know, into thinking for themselves, into you know, having the uh, that uh, agorist mindset. Um, <coughs> what what do you try to do with your messaging?
1: Well, first of all. <laughs> Twitter is not for messaging, man.
0: Yes, it is. <laughs> Donald, Donald Trump, no, Donald Trump about, won, a, won an election on Twitter.
1: <laughs> no, these, these people that are like, well, that's just fucking shitty messaging. You know, and it's like, dude, Twitter is not where you write a damn essay. Okay. True, this true. is like, this is like short, punchy. You got to catch people's attention. Like this isn't where you're really like getting your message across. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? But, but, so there was nothing wrong with the tweet. When I was nine years old, I was mowing yards. My son, my son, when he was 14 years old, would try to go around and get, and get his neighbors to let him mow their yard. Every one of them said, no, it's illegal. What? What? Yeah, there's something wrong when a cop shuts down a little girl's lemonade stand on the damn sidewalk. So, that, like, this tweet, I felt like, was fine. I, I see nothing wrong with this damn tweet, okay? So, but but Twitter, Twitter is not made for messaging. Twitter is made for exactly what happened with that tweet. It's made to, for things to go viral and catch people's attention yep. and ask questions. That's what it's made for. So... Before we move on on messaging, let's just get it out of the way. Twitter is not where you go to yeah. message.
0: <laughs> well, no, yeah, yeah. It's I, just to add to that. Yeah, it, well, it's like uh, it, it's like the the gate to messaging. You want to draw people in. Um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they don't agree with you hundred percent, but there's what's well, what's going. What's that guy talking about? That's kind of interesting. I haven't heard anyone talk like that. Let's see. You know, let's you know, let's listen to this podcast or you know, check out this article. And it's not—it's not like you want to always be hyperbolic and say. I, I think a, a lot of people run into issues trying to be Donald Trump, you know, trying to use that type of aggressive messaging style. It doesn't work for everybody, and I think a lot of people sort of get in their own way doing it. It's very. People don't give Trump enough credit. Politics aside, uh, policy aside, Trump was a disaster. But Trump's uh, ability to move the conversation and dictate what people were talking about, it's unmatched. I don't think anybody that I've ever seen in this, at least in this day and age, social media day and age could just move the conversation wherever the hell they wanted to. That's what Twitter's for moving the conversation around.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And not everybody can be a Pete Quinonez. Not everybody can be, Mm -hmm. you know, Nick, you know, the individualist. like these guys, they kind of, Number one, like Nick, he's, he's younger. So he gets that (laughs) he understands Twitter. Like I get on there and i say something and I'm like, okay, three people liked it. That's, that's damn near viral for me, you know? (laughs) But, but yeah, no. So you're right. That there's a, it's a certain type of mindset that really understands how to utilize Twitter properly. And I don't, uh, i've not seen any of these libertarian party affiliates find the right person i uh, maybe kentucky kentucky's pretty good you Yeah, know, but, but
0: texas well, they, they sucks. invited, kentucky, texas invited sucks. kentucky invited kentucky invited the lines of liberty are already to speak at their next conventions so they are they are my awesome. favorite favorite affiliate by far already that's awesome that's <laughs> awesome
1: yeah no, I told Beatrix, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go on Lions of Liberty. I'm going to be on Finding Freedom with John. And she goes, was he a children bird? I was like, no. She goes, why are you talking to him? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Man, not in, not in the club. Not in the children yeah. club. She's, I'm, I'm she's jealous. She found her fucking in-group, dude, and she's not going to let yeah. go. <laughs> Did you get to meet uh, Howie Snowden from Lions of Liberty? Did he run I into didn't. you down there? I didn't. You didn't? Beard, bearded no. guy? No. Hmm. There's probably lots of beards down there. There <laughs> were quite a few
1: beards, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Stumb- stumbling mine.
0: around, sleeping, sleeping in a behind a tree. You didn't see anyone like that.
1: It sounds like every bearded guy that was there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, we yeah, have How- Howie spoke highly of, of Childerberg as well. I- had a great time. Um, if I did, we- if
1: I did, if I did meet you, Howie, I apologize. I don't, I don't remember the name, Howie. I probably recognize your face though, so. Yeah. Please don't take it personal.
0: Everybody loves Howie, like you were saying before. How you want to be known as you know, every, Tommy's everybody's friend. That's that's like Howie's like yeah. our representative yeah. of Lions of Liberty. That everybody loves yeah. Howie. Yeah. But uh, yeah, to talk about Childerberg. So was that your first really like? Oh, did, um, you wanna, did you
1: want? Did you want to do the messaging first?
0: Oh shit! Yeah, let's finish that <laughs> <laughs> messaging. Yeah. So we're Twitter, by, by we understand what we understand what Twitter is. Messaging. Let's let's talk about when you're working on messaging, when you're crafting an article, or uh, you know, when you're thinking about direction of your podcast. How do you message? My
1: my my main thing is I'm trying to look at what the average Joe can can grab onto. Right? I don't need I don't need to get bogged down in philosophy. What I need I need to make the guy who's doing side jobs like for his buddies working for cash under the table on the weekend just so he can keep his electricity turned on so he understands that he's doing exactly what i'm saying you should be doing right and so i what i'm trying to do is i'm trying to boost the confidence of the blue collar of those people that are doing this work without knowing the work they're doing right i i made a joke probably a hundred times at Childerberg, that Beatrix, my wife is more of an agorist than I am. She's never read a word of philosophy and she's not interested in it at all because of the way she goes about her business. If we never knew the word agorism, she would still be living the majority of her life as an agorist because that's her way, her mind works. Right? Mm -hmm. So, What we have to do is we have to understand that there are the shade tree mechanics, the fruit stand guy on the side of the road. They are, they are free. This is freedom. They are expressing in this act that they are doing. So what we have to do is we have to relate to what they are doing because that's the majority of the population talking all this highbrow stuff is only going to attract more highbrow waspy bourgeois, you know, Beltway libertarians. Right. That's not the people that we're trying to attract. We're trying to attract the everyman. And how do you attract the everyman? you got to speak that everyman's language. So how do you go about uh, attracting them is by engaging them where they're at and talking to them about the operations, the counter economic activities that they're already participating in. Now, if they want to continue awesome. to participate in the political process, I don't have an issue with that. And I've even said this to Tho Bishop, like straight up, even though I'm an agorist, if locally I look at my local political, like, uh, you know, contest, and I'm saying, okay, this guy is a Tho Bishop type of politician who defends, normalizes, and and makes, you know, actually like uplifts agorism, whereas this other person wants to tax and regulate the shit out of me for selling eggs out of my backyard, I'm going to vote because that's self-defense. I'm going to vote. You know, if the Texas referendum, Texas referendum would have made it through the committee and been, I would have, I would have fucking voted. I would have gone and registered to vote just so I could vote for Texas to secede from the union. You know, like I would, I'm, I don't see any reason why agoras have to be so, you know, bogged down. Now, nationally, I'll probably never vote nationally ever. You'll probably never get me to vote for Senate or president or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But locally with like in the town of 2000 I live in, my voice actually makes some sort of difference there. You know what I'm saying? So why not? And why not get involved?
0: Yeah, you made a lot of great points there. One thing you said at the beginning, which I try to do, this to reinforce to people that you know what you're doing is is the right thing. When I when I meet people who are you know doing side jobs, like uh, my my brother-in-law is a plumber, and you know him and his plumber friends, they're they're always doing side jobs, always always right. working to get extra yeah. money, and that is, I mean, right. that is that's the American dream right there. I mean, being able to use your skills, use use what you know to turn that into, you know, food for your family, to turn that into a, a vacation, to turn that into, you know, buying a house or whatever you want or leaving the country, whatever you want to do. And uh, for so long, like that type of stuff was was frowned on. Even entrepreneurship, it's, people don't realize this, like entrepreneurship being put on a pedestal is very new. It's like new in the last 10 years prior to that people would look down on entrepreneurs Um, and it's good that's changing it's kind of good and bad because you have a lot of people who just kind of say they're entrepreneurs now when they're not really doing anything Uh, but Mm -hmm. and there's also a lot of people who are entrepreneurs who don't really have a business they just have seed money and don't make a profit and that's a whole different different issue altogether but uh, mm-hmm. that's the Federal Reserve, so we could pivot to that. <laughs> but, uh, before we get into talking, I do want to mm-hmm. talk about inflation. Uh, I got a list here, a couple of things I did want to talk to you about. I want to come back to Childerberg. And mm-hmm. you were talking about, you know, your wife was asked why are you talking to that guy? It wasn't a Childerberg. Why is everybody so th- – why is everyone saying that Childerberg was this great experience? You know, what was it about Childerberg that made it so special?
1: All right. I'm going to attack this question from two different angles here. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to attack it from my wife's point of view first. And then I will, and then I will tell you from my point of view, what, what, I, what I experienced. So from my wife's point of view, my wife is anti-political. She wants nothing to do it, which I love that because when I go home on the weekend, I'm no longer in this truck. I'm not listening to podcasts. I'm not talking about this stuff. I'm not thinking about this stuff. I'm focused on our house, our property, our our goals together, where we're going, how we're how we're accomplishing this. So she was concerned. She almost backed out of going two weeks before the event. It was like, ah, maybe I shouldn't go. And um, her concern was everybody there was going to just be talking philosophy and theory and blah, 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 politics, yada, yada, yada. I don't want to hear it. I said, oh, baby, it's not going to be like that. I promise. And she's like, okay. So finally, we I talked her into going, and um, she came with me. And she had more fun there than she's had in years. I mean, just just had an insane amount of fun. She made um, biltong, which is kind of like jerky. It's uh, South African. Mm-hmm kind of like jerky it's dehydrated uh meat um red meat and uh everybody devoured it everybody wanted the recipe everybody and she couldn't have been happier to share some south african heritage with everybody yeah. so that just made that just made the day for her like she just had an entire blast loved everybody and uh from my perspective i went there thinking this is going to be really cool. I keep telling Carl, I'm going to come to Chilterberg and hang out. I got to go. And so finally, Childeberg 3, I show up. And I'm like, yeah, this is going to be cool. We're going to have a good time. And I'm absolutely blown away. Um, not just by camping, because I love camping. I was born in southern Louisiana, so, you know, sleeping outside is second nature to me. But um, the people. Just the youth especially was probably the biggest white pill meeting Ace, Cotton, um, Agora Brewing, uh, Cody. Um, who else was there? Uh, Nick was there. Bird. Uh, just all these young guys that are mid-20s at, at best. And <clears throat> J-Dog. I'm not going to say his real name because I don't know if he wants it said. But J-Dog was there. Uh, I think he's J dog so 13 did, on
0: so, Twitter. So does everyone go by their Twitter names when you're in person or do they go by their real names?
1: Well, I mean, I only call bird bird because that's what I knew him by. So yeah. it just made it easy <laughs> for me. I called cotton cotton because that's what I knew him by. I called ace ace because that's what I knew him by. So <laughs> I'm trying to make, I'm, I'm the worst with names. So it's just whatever, this is easy for me to remember uh, now, if they were going by other names elsewhere, whatever, not my business, but no, I did not go by TD Salmon's. I went by Tommy. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, no. And, and so, yeah, it was just a huge white pill uh, just meeting these guys and, and being around them and seeing this next generation of kids. Mm-hmm. Coming up in the movement. And I was talking to Eric uh, from Rubble with a Cause uh, the other day. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm an x I'm Gen X. Like I grew up. I didn't care about politics. I had no desire to know anything about, about politics. I didn't want anything to do with politics. My whole generation was kind of like the last of the latchkey kids. And so we were all just kind of like, leave us alone, let her do it. Let us do our thing. And it wasn't until I saw, politics start to step into my everyday life that i was like whoa wait a second i gotta i gotta figure out what the hell's going on here started getting involved that was my late 30s early 40s these kids were teenagers after 9 11 right so Mm -hmm. their their entire mindset is this intrusive gargantuan federal government so they are so much better read at 25 years old than even I am today because they've been trying to figure this shit out their entire lives. Whereas it didn't hit me until, you know, like I hit about 40 years old and I was like, Hey, wait, 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 (laughs) what happened here?
0: Yeah. Uh, Plus, yeah. So they're they're getting, they're, they're getting this indoctrination too in the schools. I mean, when you think about like just something like the TSA, like they, they don't, know of a time when there was no TSA when you just you know walked yeah. through a metal detector yeah. went back to your gate got on your plane anybody could come back with you wave to you as you get on the plane I mean that's that that's not even something that's in their mind which is crazy to even, uh, right. even think about but yeah sorry sorry to interrupt yeah. you there
1: no no that's fine uh, I'm, I'm just saying it, they, they, so that the just the impress being so impressed by those guys and you know I mean And I've been on slurp gang twice since then. And, you know, like just having a blast with these guys and just loving getting to know them. And I'm, I'm so looking forward to the next 20 years of libertarian thought, because these guys that I've met and I know like how brilliant they are. And some of them are working on books and, and I'm just so excited for them and what's happening with, with these guys. And then, there were 250 people that went through Childerberg, whether they were there the entire time or, or they, you know, they were there for, you know, like Buck, Buck Johnson showed up. He was there for, I don't know, a little while on, you know, I got to talk to him and hang out with him, but he didn't stay, you know, it was Memorial weekend. A lot of other things to do. Robbie, Robbie Bernstein, he was in and out a couple of times. So, but it was like 250 people through and not a bad person, not one bad person. Every single person was, was kind and loving and just, just, you know, considerate and, you know, full of smiles and laughs. And we were just had such a good time. And it was like, you know, but no, I had been getting really, really jaded over society, over the over the people of society, the way they were reacting to lockdowns is being around like-minded people was just so, you know, and not being around the the everyday, you know, Karen, please put your mask on, sir. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, I've experienced the same thing when we had that, uh, that Mises uh, take human action bash thing was called. Uh, Last month, up here, Dave Smith and Scott Horton spoke right before the uh, Pennsylvania Libertarian Convention. And same thing. I mean, walk in a room, 350, 400 people. Nobody's wearing a mask. People are all happy. Um, You know, everyone's kind. um, Having, you know... And not just like not just like highbrow conversations, also just joking around, having fun. But yeah, you I mean you could find some intellectual conversations too if, if you wanted to, and you could also find people making uh, making dick jokes if you wanted to do that. <laughs> but um, it's it, it was just cool, like yeah, just like you were saying. After this year of you know, kind of you know I I was I am or I I still am to a certain extent because I know there's a lot of people. Um, who are responsible for and bought into uh, what happened the past year, and they're they're still in positions of power. But yeah, it's great to see so many people, and especially young people, who get it. And yeah, I I gotta be honest, I wasn't I wasn't prepared to see the amount of young people come out and be excited about this message right now I I was concerned you know when when I heard you know Dave Smith thinking about running I'm like yeah I don't know if I don't know if there's enough people out there to really make this uh make this happen and uh after seeing his speech last Friday or uh last month um and seeing the energy and being in that room and uh it's it's exciting um not only from just like a political aspect you know talking about voting, you know, not voting federally. I I don't – people can do whatever they want to. I I don't really care. But just seeing the energy behind the movement and like you were talking about – because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. We're not going to elect a libertarian president. So using politics, using whatever, you know, uh, platforms we have to spread this message is all about just getting it in front of more people so they can then, um, you know, implement – Implement agorism. Implement uh, the ideas of liberty in their own lives and start their own thing. So, I'm definitely optimistic for uh, for the future with just with what I've seen recently. And now that every libertarian has a podcast, uh, we are sure to sure sort sure of win. But a yeah, couple more and, things. Well, you oh, got to. Go
1: oh no i just I just wanted to I just wanted to add to the point that you were making there. Is I, I look at I look at my kids right, so my kids I have five kids they range from uh, sixteen years old to twenty one years old, or twenty two. He's twenty two. He'll be twenty three this year. Jesus, I'm getting old. Um, so he uh they all speak of libertarianism. None of them are are political anyway, but they say if I'm anything, I'm a libertarian. Like just mm-hmm. naturally, just like my youngest son he doesn't even know anything about politics and he's the most agorist person I've ever met in my life. You know, I mean, just the way he goes, he couldn't uh, get those lawn jobs, mowing lawns around his neighborhood. So what did he do? He went to the, he went to the uh, convenience store. He spent a hundred dollars of his birthday money on candy and went and sold it for $2 a candy bar to kids around the neighborhood. You know, I mean, he's just like, whatever, I'm going to do whatever I got to do. And he, he ended up buying a vending machine this year. You know, I'm like, look at you, man. Wow. Like just natural awesome. entrepreneur, 16 years old. Like go for it, brother. Like I ain't holding you back, you know? So, so the fact that I already saw it with my own kids and to see that it's not just my kids, to see that there are other young people that have the mm-hmm. same mindset, that are thinking the exact same ways. I'm like, that is so awesome.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it probably has something to well, I think it was a lot of factors but one of the factors that just popped in my head I mean people shit on you know the younger generations for always wanting instant gratification because I mean the way that you and I were raised when we wanted to watch TV for an example or we wanted to listen to the radio we just watched whatever was on TV we just listened to what was on the radio maybe you called in and you requested a song Today, kids, they want to listen to a song, they can pull it up, listen to that song right then. They can listen to a specific part of a song over and over again if they want to. They can make their own playlist right away. They don't have to you know, turn on a radio station and re- wait for the song and hit record at the start and the end in order to, in order to uh, make a mixtape. Right. So ha- having that power just on simple things like that, I think as a young person, you, st- you probably start to think, well, you know, what else can I get under my control? You know, why, why is this done this way and why isn't it done this way? And you start to kind of deconstruct society. And I would imagine that plays a small role into, uh, into what's happening, which is awesome if that's actually the case.
1: Yeah, I think for us, it was our, parent, our parents that did it to us. You know, that were like, all right, y'all go, get out of the fucking house mm-hmm. until it's dark and then come back and eat dinner. And so we were always off on our own doing our own thing all day long. And for them, it's just like, well, I can control this much of my life. Why can't I control this much more of my life? Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that's a good, you know, way of looking at it.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, well, Tommy, there was more I wanted to talk about, but um, I think we're out of time. And I wasted the first 15 minutes, but oh, well, oh, well. Those those things happen in podcasting. You live and you learn. Even after almost 300 episodes, I still make mistakes. But uh, well, I wanted but... to give you a chance, just, uh, you know, talk about... Uh, where people can find your podcast, you know why they why they should listen, and where else you know where, where they can find everything else you're working on, and follow you on social media.
1: Yeah, well, first and foremost, like anytime you want to want to have me back on, if you want to chat again, I, sure. I completely enjoyed this. I will I will always make time to come on here and chat with you. Like, don't ever hesitate to reach out. Um, but yeah, if you want to find me. Go to libertarianinstitute.org forward slash year dash zero. That is my podcast. Um, every once in a while, once in a blue moon, maybe once every six months, I, I finally finish a damn article. It's hard out here when I'm out on the road, but I do try to write. Yeah, on my Substack, I, I, do, uh, I publish all my interviews, all my podcasts, but I also write, um, I also have some short stories that I release there. Um, that I've written over the years, and they're not political at all. They're uh, horror or psychological thriller. Um, nice. And yeah, um, at TD Salmons on uh, on Twitter uh, is pretty much the only social media I jack with anymore. I got off of Facebook, and you know I still have an account there just in case my wife gets in an argument, I can go back her up. But for the most part, I don't mess around with Facebook anymore.
0: All right, Tommy, thank you for coming on the show,
1: man. This was fun. Enjoyed it, man. I'll I'll always enjoy talking to you.
0: All right. Taking a quick break here. I want to talk to you all about my friend, friend of the show, Tyler Colford, a.k.a. Crypto Man and his new song. And uh, he's featured on a track with Intrinsic. It's called... First World Problems. Basically what it's doing is it's talking about you know, different concepts are woven throughout the track. You know, cancel culture, grifters, inflation, innovation, all kinds of different things. It's a really, really interesting track. Please go wherever you listen to your music. iHeartRadio, Spotify, whichever one of these places where you listen to music, please like and follow Crypto Man and please like this song. Share with your friends. And it's just an awesome song, guys. So I got a clip for you. Check it out. <laughs>
1: no better you Cost internet free. blind window
0: makers you enjoyed that interview on finding freedom another awesome guest And hopefully you guys also have subscribed to the Lions of Liberty podcast, and you're getting all three of our unique shows in your uh, little listening device delivered to your ears. Um, If you haven't, please do that. Just go to your app. You know how to do it and subscribe. You can also leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. We would prefer if you did it on Apple Podcasts, but anywhere you can on the internet, please leave us a positive comment. Also, if you want to support us, we would love that too. Please go to patreon.com slash liberty. You can uh, support us for as little as a couple bucks, or if you get in at a higher level, you get merchandise and access to us, and all the way up to you can advertise on the show or get to even produce a show. So check it all out, patreon.com slash lionsofliberty, and If you haven't checked it out yet, please consider checking out the Lions of Liberty store where we have some awesome t-shirts. We have a taxation is death t-shirt with an awesome design. We have a wax on tax off t-shirt and we're always coming up with new ideas and adding new t-shirt designs to the store. Check that out at lionsofliberty.store and if you're in the pride, you get a discount on anything you buy in the store. So you do both of those things and you win. That's all I got, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fire's the liberty burning.